This is Standing Before the Mast podcast with your host, Chris Heaton. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You may also connect directly at chrisheaton.substack.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode. This is a bit of a departure. It's not really an interview per se, but I did get a chance to sit down for a beer and a catch-up with my friends Captain Eric and Ted. Some of you may recall Eric was the, oh, he's been on three times now, counting this one. He's the lead captain for Save the Bay, an environmental stewardship organization here in Rhode Island. And Eric really contributed to the festive atmosphere with a whole charcuterie board set up. We basically recapped our seasons, the highs, the lows, and the in-betweens. There's also something in here for the wood boat crowd. Ted talks about his classic wooden schooner good fortune and some of the challenges of owning an old wood boat. We also mentioned the moving of Raider, a Bristol Channel cutter from Vineyard Haven to Wickford, Rhode Island, where her restoration will continue. Our talk is quite specific to Narragansett Bay in southeastern New England. Eric gets us up to date on lighthouse history. We also mention a few notable incidents that took place in our local waters this past summer and lightly weigh in on them. There's a few comments regarding our beverages of choice in here, and it should be noted that we're not sponsored by any of them. Each one was personal choice and purchased individually. We also make light of one particular brand of beverage that was clearly not represented at our sit-down, and those thoughts are strictly our opinions and don't represent anything remotely grounded in fact. Disclaimer. And I'll be back at the end with a few notes and references to things that we didn't quite fully explain during the recording or just plain forgot as we went off on tangents. Now, I thought this could be an annual event, and if the podcast doesn't come out that great, well, we're going to make it an annual event anyway, because what's better than getting together with some mates and having a beer? I hope you enjoy. Been oh, too have. long. Um, Would you care for a Guinness? I have beverage as well. I just have to figure out you guys came prepared. What? <laughs> you said to come prepared. We came prepared. There we go. Nice. Good choice. Well, that's all. Oh. Cheers, Jim. Cheers. Cheers. How are we doing now? We're doing well. So what I thought I'd do is recap the summer or talk about our highlights and lowlights. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Who wants to start? Well, I can if you want. Well, yeah, sure, Chris. Let's hear what you have to say. Um, I would say limited sailing. Yeah. On my own boat, anyway. And ironically, the best experiences I had were on other people's boats, OPVs. Yes. Other people's boats are the cheapest way to go sailing. Right. When you have your own boat and they're the highlights of your summer, that probably means you spent a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it started off really with Mike on Intrepid because I did a podcast with Sail to Win. And that was um, the first day. There were, it was kind of like a, a cruise on Isabel back in the day. It was families and stuff. and But the second day was really more getting the um, wounded – I guess they're not wounded warriors, but they're – they're guys that have been wounded vets. overseas, yep. vets, and this program is to. They're not just going to get out on a boat and go for a ride. They're gonna. They want to compete. They want to win. And uh, oh, wow, one of them's blind. 
and they have technology that sort of he pro- drove. Yes, proprietary. Cool. Yeah, it's it, wow. it's impressive. Um, that is awesome. Yeah, and <laughs> Stevie, he, take the wheel. <laughs> he he was getting used to it, and it it was it was pretty impressive. But one f- funny and rather humbling moment was when uh, on that second day we were I think we were we were reaching. The wind was northeast. Mike wanted to harden up, so I jumped on the grinder, and I'm Ooh. cranking and. Whitney came along, so hit, hits another gear, and I was like, "Oh, that's better. That I could feel it now coming in." And I'm thinking, "I'm doing all right. This thing's coming in." And then Mike says to this other kid, this college kid, that somebody's, "Why don't you get on there and help Chris out?" <laughs> and it was yeah. like suddenly I had to, like you're on a fixie going down a hill. I had to get my hands off the, the thing. Yeah. So I just stood back, and then the kid hit another button, and I thought, "Okay, I'm I'm, I'm old." <laughs> Yeah, uh, our days are now in the cockpit. They're not so much on the foredeck. Um, much as we I was would, only a few feet l- from the cockpit, would still love to be the fearless foredeck warriors. I believe yeah. that we are now uh, we are now after guard. I believe. Yep. yep. Yeah that that those days are gone. Those days are gone. <laughs> I I hate to say it, but I sailed not one lick this summer. Uh, Certainly got a lot of uh, a lot of powerboat time in. Uh, we were actually finally back to a, what I would consider a regular schedule after. Oh wow! After the pandemic, uh, so that uh, so that put us out there uh, just about every day. Three three boats and four captains. It makes you uh, get, get you out just about it. You know, certainly uh, a couple of times a week, if not every single day of the week. So that's impressive. Nice. It was good. It was great. We uh, uh, we got to uh, put the new boat finally through its first real test and paces, and it was a new boat, so it had some uh, some teething pains. Which boat was this? So that's Rosemary Quinn. She's our uh, landing craft. Oh yeah, I saw uh, that. So she was mostly based out of out of Wickford. Um, so uh, I think Ted, yep. I think we. We waved at you a couple of times, um, but uh, uh, yeah, she uh, she performed well. Um, once we got through a few of the the first uh, the first boat glitches, we we figured all those out, and then uh, and she's uh, she seems like she's going to do us really well for the next thirty plus years. Awesome. That that was in play for the swim, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, yep. I she was. Uh, she was one of the one of the boats there for the swim. Mm-hmm. That was my second highlight which was the swim and i knew it always existed in my lifetime and my awareness of it was me basically being on my boat when it was happening on my mooring in the point seeing a harbor master boat station south of the bridge maybe have the vhf on but being on your boat i didn't realize it's like wow there's a lot that goes into this yeah it's uh it's quite the big day when you put a I think we had what a round right around two hundred swimmers yeah. and another seventy five eighty kayakers, which is actually relatively small for standards of what we've been doing. But uh, uh, it's it's quite a day. I uh, it started wow. in pea soup fog, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Which was uh, unfortunately that was a throwback to the year before when unfortunately the fog did not clear and we had to cancel. But uh, oh. luckily this year we uh, we just got it in under the wire before we were forced to uh, go into cancellation mode. And uh, 
and it was uh, it was a good one. It was nice to have you on board too. Was, uh, well, I didn't know what I was doing, so I like texted him the day before, and I'm thinking, you know, am I going to be, you know, amphibious on a beach in and out of the water? Should I wear tevis? You know, and I said, what should I, you know, and he's like, well, well, whatever you want. And I'm like, it's not helpful, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it worked out. So I was essentially a spotter on board uh, his boat. And uh, the most impressive thing, you had those delays. Uh, you had, how many how many delays do you have? You had two? So we're, we're allowed about 30 minutes. We might have stretched it a little more than 30 minutes this time, but uh, it was about 30 minutes and... After that, we lose both the, the current that we're after, plus it gets significantly harder to keep the marine safety uh, zone yeah. closed. So uh, It should be noted that the bay is closed for this operation. Yeah. For the cross- you have a window for the crossing. So uh, we got about a two-hour window. Um, now, we don't. We hope not to have it closed for that entire two hours. But uh, uh, But the biggest thing was we had all of our safety kayaks, which are our real in close eyes and ears um we really can't do the swim without them but they all launched from jamestown and we couldn't bring them over until the fog cleared so we're sitting there waiting and and finally it starts to clear and uh uh coordinating with uh one of my uh, guys over on the other side who was leading them in his boat um they uh we finally like all right, I know you guys can't see us yet, but you've got a window. It's going to clear, so start bringing them across. And then the slow ones, will they can just kind of hold station, and the swimmers will reach them. So it, it worked out. The two most impressive parts from my observation was, I think Rita was at the helm, and you were coordinating things on a few different radios, and this one swimmer really – took the lead and she was that would have been uh, um, miss elizabeth beisel she was in (laughs) and out of gear and we were doing three knots whoa yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. um she uh she did this was a a little slower than uh i've seen some swims go but she finished in under 40 minutes two miles so i've i've seen it go as as Low is 35, 36 minutes. So they were a little off the pace this year. Mm. <laughs> the second most impressive, impressive thing was there was a tug and barge coming up. <laughs> and it had, to, I think he was going to be under the center span, I don't know, 1030 or something. He had Eric's cell phone number. Yeah, we, we aren't quite sure how that happened. But uh, I've been in communication with them for, for the previous 24 hours. Yeah, what is, yeah, I think he picks up his phone and says, Galveston, Texas. It's like, hmm. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but that's pretty impressive from a safety standpoint that the tugboat captain who's inbound, and he knew the exact minute he was going to be at the center span, and there was a huge gap in time. Professionals. Yeah, it was actually it was pretty cool. I had, I'd gotten a call the day before from their, uh, from their port captain. Um, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to give your number to uh, to the captain of the tug. And it's like, that's great. I think they're going to have no problems. And then I'm starting to look at our delays. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> but it all worked out. He was a little delayed by the fog as well. So it, it all worked out well. So there was, you know, obviously the, with so many safety patrol vessels, there's law enforcement types, not just the kayaks and the spotters. There's plenty of 
some, somebody to catch somebody coming down the bay, maybe, or coming up the bay. So it, it's going perfectly smooth, and we got all the way over to Jamestown, and there was a couple of boats anchored in the, in the cove there. And all of a sudden, the sailboat that I had my eyes on that was anchored is moving at the finish oh, line. Oh, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was special. <laughs> they hauled anchor, and they were, I think they were headed up the bay. I think they were going to head up the bay, but I couldn't be quite sure. But uh, uh, they were moving in my security zone, and I did not appreciate that no, much. No, absolutely not. Um, so uh, It was essentially like um, if you were flying a Cessna you know, over Air Force One. <laughs> at the airport <laughs> that was the response it got yeah the uh the, luckily uh luckily we nudged him out of the way and he he caused no no further problems so so those are those are my exciting other than replacing a water pump those are my <laughs> exciting summer moments uh, <sighs> in my case i was getting ready to leave the dock from winter storage and uh I look up and I'm like, wait a minute. The top of my mast is white. Why is there a big black spot? Oh, oh, we never like that. No, Just no. Just for our listeners, you have a, a schooner. Yeah, I have a schooner built in 1940. It's a wooden boat. And uh, sent a friend of mine up to look. And sure enough, the uh, top of the main mast is peat moss. So quick haul that out get everything going and i think within two or three weeks i had the top uh four or five feet of the main mast replaced scarfed on shape painted everything squared away mast back in the boat back out onto the mooring and just waiting to haul out for spring maintenance well in that haul out uh, or in that waiting we were supposed to have a 30 knot southerly breeze and that night i uh well the next day i got a phone call from the guy who has the morning next to me george Sackhorn, and he says uh ted we thought we were only having 30 knots and i said yeah that's what i thought he goes well my gust register had 65 <laughs> yeah that was a decent uh that was a decent little plow yeah which one was that i've lost track um it was, uh, oh, it was May, right? Yeah, it was early. It was early, yeah. It was real early, like end of April, mm. beginning of May. And he told me that Ampeliska had solid water over the bow because everything on the foredeck was in the stern sheets. Wow. Yeah, Wickford Harbor in a good in, in a southerly, southerly to a little bit of easterly in that southerly. It's just not it's, the... No. Not the calmest spot huh? no i get out to the schooner and i look and i'm looking up the foredeck and i'm like nope no water on board here then i went down below and it looked like a bomb had gone off absolutely everything on the boat was thrown about now i didn't have a sea stow on so there were items around them in the harbor well you know at the mooring, generally, you're not going for the no. full sea stuff. No. And I, the bar was in disarray. Not, uh, not the rum. The uh, horrors. I think, I think we lost three martini glasses. Uh. <laughs> terror of terrors. And all, but 
just everything. I I took pictures. It was so impressive. And afterwards, didn't think anything of it. Haul out the boat, paint, go for a first sail, and the boat is leaking like a pig. It's just unbelievable. And how lo- how long were you out of the water on that short haul? Um, we were out for. I think it may have been two and a half weeks. Oh. And not all enough, was quick. Not enough for a boat no. to no. Uh, shrink no. up. So No, and uh, before we went for a sail, I want to say it was probably another week or two of just sitting. And, but the boat leaked a lot, and I was like, something's not right. And I'll uh, so go digging, and she's leaking from up forward, a place that the boat has never leaked in my tenure with her in 22 years. <laughs> And also, I was like, uh, not good. And I pulled the plug on the season. And when we hauled out, finally, at the end of the summer, you know, when we could, mm. um, sure enough, all around, one of the planks up forward, all the paint was cracked. And all uh, found that the uh, caulking that I had put in 20 years ago was mostly mush mm. and all and done and... So did you lose a couple of uh, fasteners or? I'm still investigating that. I've reefed out all around it. I've been uh, examining different things. Uh, There were a couple of uh, bungs knocked loose. And also I'm imagining a few fasteners let go. And all, uh, some big things happened. Did you really stretch your legs on that sail? No. No, it's just a normal day. Um, Probably... I think we had 15 to 18. It was perfect weather for the boat. Mm. And she was doing nicely, behaving well, you know, but Other leaking. than the water coming in. Other yeah. than the water coming well, in. Well, you know, it's a boat, so. <laughs> the front fell off. The front fell off. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, the foremost on a schooner carries the majority of the strain on mm. the boat. And so something went on. And we're still digging and figuring out. It could have easily been the pitching on sitting in pitch up. The mast goes back. The the mooring tightens up on the bow. Yep. Pretty easy to, to heave something. Mm. Yep. They they aren't really designed for that. They're designed to go sailing. Right. Yeah. Right. Left to her own devices, I'm sure she would have been fine. Oh, but geez. being brought up short on that mooring, wow. not a happy boat. Oh. Well... Gives me something to do. <laughs> Hobby security. Hobby security, yes. Yeah, I was uh, following along uh, uh, as you were as you were going through that. And it was like, oh, bummer. Because uh, you had her just so. Oh, she was she looking was great. Right. Yeah. Really. Mm. All was, right, next year. <laughs> yep, on to next year. Speaking of, while we're on wood boats, um, for years... I've been poked when I'm in Vineyard Haven. I'd poke my head in the Black Dog Museum, which is essentially a long building with a door and a platform big enough for Sarah and I to stand on. And you look in, and there's this collection of boats. And you're you're at the deck level of these hauled out vessels. And I'm like, ooh, that looks like a Bristol Channel cutter or something. That's sweet. What is that? And I never. I said that should be in the water. And then all of a sudden, I'm bummed because I could have been there. Our house was open. I could have gone, stayed at the house, and been part of the moving. Dominic 
I didn't realize this took the boat over from yep Bob Douglas okay yep Raider yeah and on a was it a Friday night or a Saturday night at like Uh, eleven Friday night Friday night at eleven p.m. they closed off five corners in Vineyard Haven police there the whole nine yards we're talking rolling logs yeah. Wow. Four inch, four inch steel pipe rollers. Wow. And they moved 30 tons of vessel. That's way more impressive than just bringing in a gigantor crane to lift up. (laughs) It was was like a classic community neighborhood effort. And they got it out of the barn. And I'm trying to follow along, you know, with pictures that I would randomly see online. And it looks like they got her over to Gannon and Benjamin, maybe. Yep. Yep. And down the beach there. Yep. They, uh, I don't even know where they came up with that much dunnage to make a <laughs> railway and all to roll this beast on there. But right wow. on to a World War II era L- LCM. Cool. And then the LCM brought her over yep. to Wickford. And then they reversed the process when they got here. Oh. But I think he was saying they had uh, 70 oh. people on well, Martha's I I saw her on a travel lift over here. Or no, the trailer, excuse me, the trailer. That was after. Oh, that was, so he got it here, hauled it out, and went for it. Rolled it out on rollers yep. up onto the parking lot to where they could get the trailer under her. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. now is he building that, or rebuilding her for himself, or is he doing this as a... Um, no, currently, uh, as far as I know, it's for themselves, uh, he and his girlfriend, um, they actually picked up the boat pre-COVID, a year or two before COVID, and they had been going out and working on it. He replaced uh, the rudder post, the rudder, um, a bunch of the dead wood inside. Uh, there were planks off the boat that had to be put back on. I just an immense amount of work, but. They managed to get it done. I probably mistakenly referred to as a Bristol Channel cutter, but what is she actually? She is. Oh, it is. She oh, okay. is a Bristol Channel pilot cutter built in, it's either 1909 or 1910. Wow. She's one of eight left in the world. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. And uh, when Bob had her, uh, the entire interior has been rebuilt and as much too original as possible, you know, that they could guess. Mm. The craftsmanship is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, wait until you see her. It's mm. just, wow. Bristol fashion? Yes. <laughs> Very now, much now so. Now he lives aboard now, right? They live aboard? Um, now. He lives aboard his yeah. boat, um, Atia. Which is an Alden 34, I believe. Is this 34 or 36. That or just addition to the fleet? I don't know. Yeah. Currently, it's an addition to the fleet. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wickford continues to amaze me as being yeah. just the home of one of the best wooden boat fleets. Uh, There's a lot. Certainly of them. in Rhode Island, it's uh, well. Newport had a little something going on, then it got drowned out. But yeah, it's you know Newport's always going to have some, but uh, uh, it, the thing I love about Wickford is it's people; they're their own boats. These aren't boats that are out chartering and working for. These are people's people's uh, love and joy. So uh, it's it just I love going through there. It, just it, it's the feel of what New England harbors must have been like in the 1950s and 60s, and yeah. uh, just to, if uh, if you 
are ever out and about, the Wickford is always well worth a stop. And what, what I was impressed with, because I'm not into Christmas shopping, and we were there Sunday. Just missed you, by the way. <laughs> and they've got these nice, uh, the town, I guess, put up these nice signboards mm-hmm. along the main drags explaining what house you're looking at, the history of the seafaring community there. Yep. And, you know, in Newport, there's like a picture out at Fort Adams. This is a boat you might see. It's a dragger. This is a sailboat. You know, at in Wickford, there's a whole history there. And they someone really put a nice yeah. Uh, they, nice job with, with the history. Yeah, they made a concerted effort. I want to say a guy named Tim Cranston. Hmm. I think he's the town historian. Uh, um, really put in a huge amount of effort, you know, to yeah. to label all this. They created these trails and marked them, et cetera. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did uh, uh, quite a few lighthouse tours uh, at the end of. Uh, Beginning of the fall, so September, uh, and of course Wickford is home to quite a few of the uh, uh, the better lighthouses. So uh, uh, Poplar Point being the oldest uh, inexistent uh, wooden light tower in the country. Um, so uh, that's a, always a great spot. But you could go on forever about the the nautical history of, of Wickford Harbor. It's it's really cool. Yeah, one of the, the previous interviews I did with Christopher Pastore, mm-hmm. who I've known for a while, he's a professor and he's written a lot of books. And we went over one of them, and he, he talks about early Narragansett Bay and all these explorations that went on. And what a, if you can listen to the interview that blew me away what a Quidnick Island was like a long time ago. I mean, scorched earth and farms and everything in between. It, it's But lighthouses play a prominent role. Yeah, it's a. Uh... We we do live in a pretty special place. How, how many? We when do. do your lighthouses go? Because obviously you get seal tours. You've so got... uh, so we generally try to do somewhere around half a dozen or so lighthouse trips mm-hmm. uh, during. Uh, it's mostly during the the early fall, so September and into first week or so of October. Um, we're just so busy with camps during the summer that we can't really can't do the weekend work we'd have to bring on entirely other crews and that sort of thing so uh the the management is is kind enough to recognize that uh so uh we only only do a few but they're fantastic trips we we leave at about 9 a.m from our dock up in fields point in providence we go down the west passage uh out around beaver tail back oh, up wow. the east passage usually stop at rose island uh and then uh continue on up uh head over to the mount hope bridge and see bristol ferry and muscle shoals light uh and then on up back into uh back into the providence river and end with the the riverside uh lighthouses which are good old unfortunately there's only really one of them left but uh boy back in the back in the day they were quite the sight what's left can it can it so the connecticut's there and that's still an active uh mm-hmm. active lighthouse uh but beyond that there there used to be three lights that were all built right around uh, 1870 uh and it was uh, bullock's point then uh uh sabin point then Palmum Rocks. 
Palmam Rock's the only one that's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Bullock's Point was a casualty of uh, the 38 hurricane. And then uh, Sabin Point was a casualty of the expanding uh, channel for up to the Port of Providence. Uh, so uh, they actually, I believe they lifted her off her foundation uh, and then towed her over to the Cranston shoreline. And then instead of carefully bringing it ashore and setting it up as a beautiful thing over there. No. And, uh, July 4th, 1969, they litter as a bonfire. What? And that was actually a granite, uh, building. Bloody hippies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's just crazy. It is stuff that we would never even dream of doing now. Wow. Um, you know, today we would have rebuilt Bullock's point, which was this, gorgeous victorian house that sat on this tiny granite stone and it was beautiful and people lived there for 30 years at a time they grew up their entire families there um and you know the families would go visit each other boats plying to and fro and yeah different different times and unfortunately different times when we didn't rebuild them when we should have there seems to be some scary boat accidents this summer so yeah yeah, this was uh, quite the eventful uh summer both near on on the water and near the water yeah i mean there was the the one that stands out for me it was the powerboat versus shields uh which had some and it was really interesting to see that play out because um unfortunately when you make a quote to a newspaper, they often don't pick up on the thing you want them to say. And I think unfortunate for somebody said something that triggered a lot of people. Um, and I watched it get divided right down the middle. If you were a sailor, you automatically set, sided with the shields who was racing. If you were any kind of commercial boat operator or professional or commercial fisherman, you immediately said, hang on a second, I need more information. Yeah. And that's really what happened and unfortunately it played out on social media so many stupid things to do yeah i think that one uh is just a uh a big i wasn't uh, there i didn't see it i didn't see it either no, all man, i've done is read i actually read the, the article funny that you brought that one up because i read the article for some reason today oh really? um yeah um but uh it's i think it just shows that everyone every user of the water needs to be properly know their proper place or, or not so much their proper place, but know how to behave. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's training. It's that sort of thing. Uh, now it's, uh, it, it's really hard to convince the coast guard that there's no risk of a collision after a collision. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is very, or that you did your utmost to avoid collision. Right. Right. Yes. Um, More and there has been a collision. Um, yeah, that's, uh, and I, it popped into my head as I walked around the boat show, and I saw just the amount of horsepower on some of these. Oh, it's they call them center consoles, but some of them are fifty-five feet now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's with just all outboards with four, five hundred or more horsepower mm. engines on it. Over a, well over a hundred thousand dollars worth of engine, probably closer oh. to two. Yeah, um, oh, easily. And it's just how fast do you need to go? I, I don't well, I was also understand. wondering, and I've, I've pondered this before. 
you think about it, Boeing sort of retired the 747 except for freight, for heavy lifting. Airbus walked away. I don't know if they're back with the A380. But everyone's gone to two engines because it's for efficiency. So I'm thinking, all right, what more efficiency and redundancy do you get? Redundancy do you get after three, four outboards? Uh, yeah. Versus fuel consumption. I was I talking think, to one I think rep, it's and apparently like funnels back in the day. Well, they can get them closer together now because the lower units operate independently and detached yeah. from each other. So they've got these fancy fly-by-wire joysticks, yep. and you could do some kind of creative maneuvering to the laterally and stuff like that. But if you blow one, if you blow one engine, if you've got that many engines, now you've got to you've got to replace it or fix it. Now you've got a new engine and some two or three year old engines. But I was just learning one of the manufacturers, the engines come with the transom attached, and then they attach that to the boat. They don't mount the engines onto an existing boat. The engines come already on it as a package, as a package, as part of a transom, and then they design the boat to fit that. Wow. That was one brand that did that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You can't see, but I'm shaking my head in utter disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't, be, it won't be long before, you know, no one remembers how to dock a boat because you just kind of press the joystick button that tells it to dock. Until that doesn't work. Until that doesn't work. But, you know, then again, I'd probably be pretty nice to have that on my electric car or something to... <laughs> It's, it is changing times. We we have yep. to, yeah, yep. But uh, you know those things. The only thing that they're going to pass everything except for the fuel dock uh, in this day and age, with fuel the price that it is and the, uh, and the carbon footprint. Yeah, I just I can't see how people justify that. They don't worry about justifying it. Hmm. These are not individuals that worry about the cost of fuel worry about any of these I, I was thinking more in terms of just the safety aspect that some people call them credit yeah. card captains or something like that you can you can be a multimillionaire and show up at a boat show and it, according to some of the signs i saw wait because there's there's orders in already and then get this giant boat and, and go out there i couldn't go out and get in a, a falcon jet and go to nantucket you know, with just because I had money, well, I could. I'd have to pay someone else to fly it. I couldn't be the man at the helm. And that, and I think there should be something. Yeah, somewhere that, that for education. That, for I would think that day's coming. I I would I'd hope do. so, um, but we'll we'll see. Because um, uh, you know, in the, in the good old days, when you were doing seven knots and you were going fast. <laughs> You know, it took a long time for a for for a situation to develop, but right. uh, boy, oh boy, when you're doing eighty, that situation <laughs> happens really quick. Yeah. What, what's the What's the first thing to do if you think r risk of collision exists? How about slow down? <laughs> it's, it's amazing how yeah, having a little bit more time to think out what's going to happen mm. is uh, usually going to be your friend. I can't believe how conservative I am with my boat. Well, probably because it's slow and it doesn't maneuver super well. But, I mean, I'm listening to the radio. If there's a tug coming out of Providence, I'm thinking about where and when he's going to be down here. If there's a race going on, I'm like, okay, where are they going to be in 20 minutes? You know, I don't want to be anywhere near him. I basically just go hide. 
Yeah, defensive defensive sailing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just I'm, yeah. I'm just out there to have a good time. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna yell starboard or you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, bear off. And then of course we had uh, what? Now we're at two massive uh, shipyard fires. Yeah. You know, the Mattapoiset shipyard or Mattapoiset yep. boatyard, I guess it is. Oh, uh, I didn't hear about that. Going one. up. That I, I heard about that one in Connecticut. That was uh, August. Yeah. It was um, early in the year, yeah. I'm going to jump in for a refill. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, uh, the, the Seaport, Mystic Seaport Fire. Yeah. Uh, well, just last week. Seaport Marina Fire. Marina Fire. Yes. Yeah, I had a heart Mystic attack. Mystic Seaport when, did not Susan burn said, up. Mystic Seaport burned. I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> My first thought was, well, at least um, Coronet's still here. <laughs> <laughs> well, but no, no. Uh, the seaport, which is uh, an icon in in Mystic. Yeah. It's just, just but uh, yeah, that's, it's gone. Um, luckily, the restaurant, I guess, didn't go up. Um, but I'm not sure no, how Cornet many. Cornet was still on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not fair. I don't... Well, that's another good thing. I mean, that thing has been here since 1995 or 7, Cornet. Yep. And when... they just splashed her the other day. And, man, they towed her out of here. She was so high on her lines. Oh, boy. <laughs> All I could think of was they picked the right day to move her. Yeah, it's, uh, luckily it was uh, uh, Tug Jaguar that was moving her. That yeah. guy has moved more large, uh, ungainly wooden sailing vessels than <laughs> anyone. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, they picked the right weather window. They right. got, uh, they certainly got got it right. They they splashed her on a on a great day as well, and then. Waited the weekend and then snuck her over yesterday. It was beautiful. I logged in online to watch because the Mystic Seaport had a, an actual stream. So I looked and it was around noon. I thought, oh, this is going to be a while. I could hear all these people lined up at the fence. I thought, they, they're going to be there a while. So, Because they hadn't even rigged the the crane apparatus yet. So I said, this thing won't be in the water until like 2 or 3 o'clock. So I, t- <laughs> I tuned in at 3 o'clock and they just started to lift it. And I thought, those people stood out there for... Three hours before anything really happened, and but they were watching there. grass grow. They got to be there. So yeah, yeah. It's it was a it was a part of history, That's I guess. Impressive. I, I unfortunately I missed it. I was uh, bringing yeah. a boat back from Westerly because it was a beautiful day and it was a perfect weather window to bring a boat back from Westerly. So I uh, think you've seen a boat being launched before. You've seen this. That one, it's that one was a pretty impressive one. I mean, a an yeah. impressive crane that they brought in, crane barge that they brought in to do it. Yeah. Up until last week, I think it was the third largest crane in the world. Now it's the fourth. Oh, all I, right. I'm not sure whether it was the Japanese or the Koreans launched the world's largest now. I read online it was a it was a thousand ton capacity crane. Yeah, it's the largest one on the East Coast. She's 175 tons, so there's a good buffer there. Yeah, not so bad. Now, was that the same crane? This is going back a few years when the uh, painting barge that they were using to paint the Newport Bridge. So it's probably right back around 2002, 2003, something like that. It went down in a in a good big blow. Yep. Um I was out there doing a seal watch the next day and I'm like, "Hey, where's the barge?" <laughs> Wait. Those are still all the paint 
hoses and everything going up to the bridge. And they're going down into the water. Uh-oh. Was the, uh, the the steel part of the crane sticking out of the water? No, no, not that's that's up in Providence. Um, oh, right. it's, uh, no, that one. Uh, oh, so it was just this one. This one actually, it flipped over. It was just a work barge. Mm. But uh, they, I think they brought in that same crane to uh, to been. do the lifting. Oh, I see. That was the rescue effort. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So, uh, oh, so I think we've seen her before. She was over in the West Passage for a while when they were doing the windmills. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that work is picking up with uh, yeah. a lot of activity going on. Um, they've got uh, uh, just, uh, what, about th- two, three weeks ago, there was a heavy lift ship that came in yeah. and uh, anchored uh, just north of the bridge. Um and it was carrying this weird-looking self-propelled barge. And as we got closer to it, we realized it's a cable-laying barge. Oh, wow. So on this heavy lift ship, there was this big self-propelled barge plus, I think, a tugboat for it. And then two or three other workboat-type things. None of them small. Uh, and then uh, over the... <laughs> Over the course of the next couple of days, they watched the heavy lift ship sink itself down, and they floated everything off. And then uh, uh, they took the whole little flotilla up to uh, to the Port of Providence, where the, they've got a lot of the mm. uh, the wind farm stuff is mm-hmm. getting staged out of. And uh, sure enough, uh, then a friend of mine down on the Cape, uh, uh, Tori, who yeah. good friend of yours, yep. um, a he had pictures of it running, running a cable from the the future wind farm into the beach over there on the Cape. Wow. So it was pretty cool. Speaking of wind farms, I just heard a story. I think it was this morning on the public's radio. They were touting the Block Island wind farm, and the generators are offline, and they're getting all this power. My commercial fishermen tell me, my commercial fishermen customers tell me, that most of those things are offline. The the wind turbines off Block Island. I have no idea. So, and well, what what the story was segueing into the future wind farm and how they were building on the success of Block Island, saying this is what it did. And there were some impressive statistics as to how much CO2 and just how much diesel they were burning annually to to keep those generators going so Block Island had power year-round. And they, they just said this was a whole win, and their electric bills got at least for the folks that live on the island, got cut in half. I I thought people were telling me that the wind turbines aren't working out there now. Uh, nothing that I've heard. I mean, certainly the, oh. the 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 maintenance vessel is going out there pretty Constant. frequently. You must yeah. see it all the time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, all of those things they need maintenance. They go, they're going to go down yeah. periodically. Sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's not. Um. Well, as long but as they're still working, I, I don't know. Probably I, the I, toughest environment you're going to come across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're all over. I see them all off the coast of England and yeah. off of Cornwall where Sarah is, and, you know, where, where she's from. And then. Yeah, that's probably a little bit harsher than uh, the conditions <laughs> that we'll yes. have here. But, uh, you know, it's. Yes, they're going to be kind of an eyesore for our commercial fishing brethren that they're going to be. Kind of in the way. I don't think they were complaining about that. They were just, this guy was just saying, I don't think they're working. 
Uh, 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 nothing that I've heard. Yeah. Is everything that I've. Well, the sport fishermen say that it's a great place to fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would imagine. So. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, what is it? A fob floating, floating uh, something or other. Just oh, anything yeah. that you can put in the water gives it structure. You're going to get fish around it. So, hmm. um, so yeah, that's great. But Instant habitat. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they're going to certainly do less harm to the fish population and over time than all the mercury out of all the mm. all the yeah coal plants so i was just reading there's a huge big money in salvaging pre-1945 ships that are sunk yeah mm-hmm. because yeah. they have what's called low bandwidth steel yeah in other words the steel has not been exposed to the radiation of course we're going forward there's we haven't tested we're not testing like we used to with nuclear stuff so there's no there's as time goes on there'll be less absorption but it's extremely valuable particularly for medical equipment so yeah this low, low band if you can find a shipwreck that's mm-hmm. pre-1945 they just grab it yeah and unfortunately that's uh uh the world war ii wrecks that are war graves are being right. raided yeah, for that sort for that of thing. purpose exactly yeah um, especially in the Far East uh, areas where it's a little bit more of a free-for-all. But uh, uh, then again, I, in their defense on that, uh, maybe uh, the war graves of their colonial uh, uh, overseers, uh, yeah. perhaps, <laughs> you know, maybe not so sacrosanct. Hey, mm-hmm. there. Well, I, this is sort of our holiday episode, and we're cracked open a beer here. You'll notice in front of you I've got, each, this is not compensation for your appearance. It's just a gift. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We have a wonderful Eldridge. Eldridge uh, Tiger. They don't sponsor this podcast, but it is a great document. And you'll notice I've carefully placed a bookmark or a card. And Eric will definitely know this. Ted, you may. <laughs> yep, Eric knew it. You, they've done a lot more with user submissions, and it's real. There's a lot of really good content in this. Captain Frank. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So there's there's, there's a whole bunch of uh, interesting user submitted writings in there. Yeah. I if if you have an Eldridge Tiden pilot, and all you've ever done is look up the time of low tide and high oh, tide, you've done yourself you, a disservice. Yeah. You have to read this book cover to cover um it's full of some incredible information and incredible insight that people gleaned over hundreds of years and of observations there was one issue set they don't mention it in this one i don't think but several years ago they mentioned that george eldridge would be original eldridge based it on another document that he had found that somebody who would have done observations and recordings on Narragansett Bay tides and currents. And I looked it up, and it's out of print. However, the U.S. government or some publishing company reprints it because it has historical value, and I ordered it, and I have it at home. It's a hardcover book. I, I, I forget the name of it. It's it's a sort of a very boring name, like Observations on Tides and Currents in the Area of Narragansett. It's, it's just a, it almost like a, what would be considered now a college professor's paper or doctoral student i have and it's a treasure yeah a paperback 
that URI put out. Some oh, grad that is a treasure. Did that has we just sold one from downstairs. Oh no! Oh, the, yeah. Is that the the Narragansett Bay the tide currents. charts? Yes. Yes. The current All charts. The little microcurrents yes. and everything. That's oh. that's light years ahead of the document I'm talking about. Okay. But what I'm talking about was like maybe the first person to stop and make observations. Which oh wow! Was the foundation for Eldridge, you know? But yeah, what you're talking about is like bathymetrics and all yeah. kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember that the racers, sailboat racers, love that. Oh yeah, I had oh. that. Uh, I that was uh, that was a staple sitting in the chart table of uh, uh, Easterner when I was running her. Um, so I I I'd study up and hopefully beat Bob Tiedemann someday. <laughs> look for some way of beating that guy. I think the only time I ever beat him was the first twelve meter race I ever did, and then he never let me win again. again. Oh dear. <laughs> We had a really nice guy. He was studying here at the War College, and he was from Colorado, and he was like the best J-24 sailor out on, I was at Lake Silverthorne or something, or Lake Dillon, I think it's called, Lake Dillon. So I had his boat shipped here because he was going to be here for... Oh, did he Did he suddenly uh, meet, so, meet Fleet 52? Yeah. So he came. Now, this guy knew, he knew his stuff, no question about it, and he was a great sailor. And a lot of guys that I know say, oh, yeah, he, he was good. But he was used to mountain air. He wasn't used to currents. Oh, yeah. And uh, he, he, I remember he came in. He's like, wow, it's different here. <laughs> <laughs> but he had, a, he had a really good attitude. And, you know, he finished his officer training and moved to a higher rank. Yeah. And maybe, maybe went back to freshwater for his uh for his racing <laughs> so, thinking in only two dimensions instead, instead of, four. of four right well i'm sure the ship he commanded after he left this school had gas turbines so well yes yes <laughs> it wasn't a really a big deal <laughs> okay so let's let's have some fun questions here what is a must-have in your galley other than the two replacing the two <laughs> martini glasses that broke <laughs> Must have a good coffee pot. Oh, Ooh. yeah, you and Dominic are on that. One. Yeah, it's the ship sails on coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's. Um, I've got an espresso. You know, an old. Uh, I forget. They're kind of octagon shape. Oh yes, the Italian espresso. Oh, yeah, uh, I've yes. got one of those. There's a French press on board. Should we be pressed? And there's a percolator on. Yeah, you know, no matter how bad it the gets, burner. how wet, how cold, the smell of fresh brewing coffee. Oh, rejuvenate the dead. In in uh, the back in my old schoonering days, working up in Maine, sometime around three three p.m. Kind of the kind of the slow time for the deckhands because you're kind of ghosting on, you're heading in towards uh, your final harbor for the evening and. Uh, uh, haven't started laying out the anchor yet or anything like that, but that's that's coffee time, and yep. there's always been a pot on all day long. We called it we called that the crunchy coffee. Yes, <laughs> oh, it's so good. So that's good coffee. Coffee. Same yeah. for you. Yeah. Well, hey, it's a better answer than anything I'd have. <laughs> Okay, on the same theme of food, what's your favorite meal to have aboard, either underway or at anchor? 
Anyone that I don't prepare. <laughs> I think my favorite meal is the one that I'm sitting down to. I have to there say my most memorable meal is Dinty Moore beef stew. It was the first hot meal after three plus days in a good big gale heading to uh, to Bermuda. Uh, and we finally, finally could keep something on the stove for long enough to heat it up. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the Dinty Moore can came through. And you know what's nice about Dinty Moore, folks? They don't skimp on the sodium. No, <laughs> no, they're, you're, you're, if you're on a low sodium diet, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. You said, um, wow, that's hard to say. I was once crewing on a swan, bringing it back from a Bermuda race and the cook board decided to experiment and she made wraps, tuna fish mashed with avocado. Oh, now, so you had a green gelatinous mass <laughs> wrapped up in a wrap. And being brought up the way I was brought up, you know, you cannot refuse anything until you try it. If you don't like it, that's fine. But you have to try it. So a couple bites, and we had a decent little bit of a sea running. And um, I'm not a big avocado person, and I was like, yeah, no. Not happening. We're going to feed this to the fish. And whatever else went down was fed to the fish and went back about my day. It was like, where's a fluff and utter? Give me a fluff and utter. <laughs> yep, it's always been my uh, 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 theory that you're not supposed to eat tuna fish on board. Yeah. Um, that's not, that, you're not supposed to do yeah, that. That's one of the that's superstitions. I was going to say, that's like, you know, cook a beef stew on board and you'll bring on a gale. Guaranteed. Uh, well, all right. Well, we didn't bring it on. This was on the tail end of it. <laughs> well, it's Dinty Moore. So, I think yeah. there's an exception clause yeah, for Dinty Moore. It's not really beef stew. It's salt stew with... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I think, is that in the back of the label of a can? Hard tack and <laughs> Have horse. Have the tail end of a storm. <laughs> um, I, there's nothing that goes down as well as good mac and cheese. Yeah. And, and I... I'll take one out of a box, but a good, well-prepared mac and cheese with some pick of pepper sauce. Oh, one of the, the two meals, that, the two best meals that stand out. My first delivery ever to Bermuda, we caught a mahi-mahi. We got oh, that yeah. on board. I, I didn't know anything. It was my first trip offshore. I manhandled it on board with the, the Swedish girl that was on the boat. And it's flopping around in the cockpit. And it's huge. And we're like, what do we do? So I grabbed the winch handle, and the captain came up. He's like, no, you're going to make a mess. And he, he had a bottle of rum, and he just threw a shot in the gill. Gills. End of fish. Yeah. Fish kill rum. And then yep. they, they, <laughs> the Swedish girl, she cut it up, and we we had it right on the boat. It was the freshest fish I've ever had. Um, the next best thing I ever had was on Isabel. We were coming back from Mystic, and – you had Annika on board. Was it Annika? What was her name? I can't remember her name. Anyway, this girl was on board. She made this incredible fish chowder. Incredible. And these char charter guests we had, we had them in, we were in Mystic, and they had to get back to Quonset to get their private flight back to New York or whatever. So Eric said, I'll give you a choice. I mean, we can get your car service 
And yeah, we were in Sag Harbor. Oh, we're in Sag. Excuse and me. And it was blowing. Yeah. yeah. Northeast. Good and hard out of the Northeast. <laughs> oh, so perfect we, day to go back to Newport. To go back to Newport. <laughs> so Eric said, you know, we could get you out of here a different way. No, 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 no. We're going to go for it. So they insisted. They're so business-minded. Now, we're we're like jib and jigger, hobby horsing back to Newport, motor sailing. And they insisted on having their business meeting in the deck salon. Okay, whatever. Oh, my God. So Eric and I are outside. <laughs> we're getting soaked. George is outside. He's getting soaked. Annika re- reheats the, the fish chowder. Awesome. And we're like, so she comes through the deck salon with a steaming fresh fish chowder that's wafting through the deck salon, brings it out to us, and we're like, mm, this is great. <laughs> fish chowder. One by one, they came out. <laughs> the first guy said, yeah, they're in there having a meeting. He goes, I'm more like you guys, kind of an outdoorsy type myself. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Two seconds later, he was feeding the fish. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing when uh, we then reintroduced the suggestion that you know we can bear off and we can be in Mystic and we can well, call Mystic came we in. can yeah. call a car for you and and get you to your to the airport on time. You won't miss your flights, but if we keep going for Newport, we're not going to make That's it. That's right. You remembered it better than I did. I I knew Mystic was involved, but you're right. We came from SAG. Ugh. Yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> In a nor'easter. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting one, but uh, that was another fun fun time. But the fish chowder was great. That was the important part of that story. Yes. Do so you guys got big plans for the holidays? Uh, going back to New Jersey to see my folks. Oh, right. Nice. Oh, so that'll be good. little 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 Jersey time. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's always a good thing. And we'll be we'll be here. I've got a couple of seal watches, not too many. The the tide is, um, I guess you could say it's uncooperative for uh, uh, for seal watches. That's kind of cooperative for the staff. So yep. there's no no good low tides. Low tides seem to come around five in the morning or seven at night. So that's not Perfect. too good for uh, <laughs> for going out. Um, but uh, so we've only got a few. Off and on during the uh, the holidays, so be a nice quiet time at home. I think should be should be rather nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to make it to Harrison Ave? Yeah, I'll make it to my dad's house. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the same thing we do at Thanksgiving. I look at Google Maps, look at the traffic. You know, make sure that the the 1.8 mile drive is. <laughs> it's funny to sit thanks either Thanksgiving or Christmas. You sit there, you put on TV, and they're talking about travel, and you see all these people at airports. You go, "Oh my god!" Nope. You, you nope. can complain about a lot of things, but living on an island. No, nope. now we were nice. We uh, we picked up our tree on Sunday. We had it planned for Saturday, but it's a little gnarly on Saturday. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're a little and, behind uh, on that. It was uh, uh, the Maha Center. Yeah, that's does, I think uh, we're going to go there. A fundraiser, and they sell trees out at Fort Adams. So it's beautiful, oh. and, the, and the inn does some cider and hot chocolate and that oh, sort of thing. Nice. 
and yeah, you're paying a little bit more, but it's going to a good place. Hmm. And, I wonder how uh, it'll do going over the bridge. Well, <laughs> I think in the pickup it will do fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they did seem to take a good long time strapping it down. I have to walk away from that because <laughs> as a sailor, yeah. all I'm going to do is cause trouble trying to strap something to the roof. This is the, the first car. time I've ever seen more trees on cars, what I would consider backwards and i'm just waiting for the mary, mary poppins moment you know <laughs> and the, the sailor in you it's like no stem forward stem forward <laughs> you gotta wreath that thing down <laughs> you know conical shape don't go the other way no 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 hot head mackerel tail <laughs> the osprey look <laughs> well thanks eric for the i'm gonna say it wrong charcuterie board charcuterie yes yes yeah yeah, I'm not even going to attempt that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of charcuterie boards, I saw a board in a local purveyor of fine beverages, and it was a, basically a wood tray. I don't even think it was teak, and it had a I knew the I knew the exact model of the cleat, four inch <laughs> cleat bolted to the end each end. I guess this handles to give it a nautical right. flair. Yeah, one hundred and twenty five dollars, and I thought. You're taking the Mickey, mate, <laughs> because that's a $10 tray, and those are two $4 cleats. I think I've got that teak strap, scrap down in my basement somewhere. <laughs> Get it out, slap a couple of slap a couple of cleats on it, and uh, right. I'm good. Yep. Anyway, well, thanks for doing this. This well, was fun. Thanks. Thank you. Happy, this happy was holidays. It's fun yeah, just yeah. getting around. Happy holidays. Ted went heavy with the Guinness, I see. <laughs> For strength, yeah. For strength, <laughs> tis good for you. Hmm? I went. I went lightweight with Whalers Rise. Well, no, yeah, I, I went with the 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 Laguanitas because it was in my uh, refrigerator. So yeah, same here. Um, but uh, yeah, have you had the Whalers uh, Seltzers yet? No, I haven't tried. yet. And nope. I'm intrigued though. Um, Is this part of that whole like? seltzer thing yeah but at least it's made by somebody who's local local and is at least makes good beer right so maybe they make good seltzer i'm not sure um you know budweiser makes seltzer but they don't make good (laughs) beer so why would i have a more watery thing than the watery beer that they already make Um, my college roommate drinks nothing but bud light and i don't think he cooks at home despite his Beautiful condo in Boston with its panoramic views. You open the refrigerator, it's Bud Light. Uh, he might have had a highball in there or something. No. Um, he likes Bud Light. He likes Bud Light. Yeah, hey, is. some people like to drink water. It's fine. Yes, you know, <laughs> hydration's <was> important. <laughs> anyway, this has been fun, and I don't want to hold hold you up. And uh, not at all. Hey, we're just um, drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, we're drinking beer. That's it's right. Not like it's, it's a beautiful we thing. Don't, we don't get a chance to do this. Yeah, so that was my holiday review catch-up with Captain Eric and Ted. Always nice to get together with a few mates and have a couple of beers. In that, I mentioned a book. Here are some afterguard notes. I mentioned a book, and I couldn't recall the title at the time. I originally discovered this book because it was mentioned in an edition of Eldritch, Titan Pilot, a few years ago. 
as either being an influence or a resource that maybe George Eldridge or whoever originated it referred to. And when I got home and pulled it off the bookshelf, I felt a bit vindicated because the title is Narragansett Bay, Its Historic and Romantic Associations in Picturesque Setting by Edgar Mayhew Bacon. And uh, the book is, it's no longer under copyright protection uh, because I think it was 1904 was the original date. Um, But it is considered of historical value, so anyone can reprint it. Uh, It's no longer printed by G.P. Putnam's and Sons of New York and London. Um, but it is available. I found it online somewhere, and it's a it's a great read, especially if you're a bit of a history geek and you enjoy original sources. Also during the edit, I realized I never mentioned my treasured galley item, the C-Swing Stove, a.k.a. the British Microwave. I joke because my wife's from England. Um, I do have a normal, proper galley stove, but this one-pot, one-burner C-Swing does the job for me on many levels. I boil water for tea, I make coffee in it, I reheat soup, maybe some dinty more beef stew someday, I don't know. Anyway, well, thanks again for listening, and if you've made it this far, consider yourself among an elite group of hardcore listeners. Best wishes to all for a safe and happy holidays, however and with whomever you choose to celebrate. I'll be back in the new year with some engaging and interesting interviews and stories. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays, everybody. You have been listening to Standing Before the Mask podcast with Chris Heaton. Please be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You may also connect directly at chrisheaton.substack.com.